Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. Okay, Al, are you ready for this week's episode? I am ready. Do you know what this week's episode is? Oh my goodness, you told me. You told me. No, I don't. But I know you told me. I did tell you. Honestly, that was a good pop quiz. I should do that to you more. It's good humor. The ice oh, cream. Yes. Okay, it is. Well, I mean, obviously it is. But yes, you're correct. Yes, I did tell you. And yes, that is our topic for this week. So we are just going to dive right in. But I will share that what kind of sparked this topic for me is that I didn't know this, but they actually changed the ice cream truck tune in 2020. What? Yes. Why? Because the old ice cream truck tune was sometime related to negative connotation or negative words that were actually sung over the tune. So although we never heard it, it came from a time where maybe that wasn't a positive song anymore. Oh, okay. okay. And so Good Humor actually partnered and paid for them to revamp the ice cream truck tune. Interesting. Okay. So I learned that fun fact. And here we are to learn more about Good Humor. I love good humor. I think I think it's a great place. I great place. It's not a place. I wish it was a place. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it is a place. There's a factory for sure. Anyway, let's just start with history. Great. Cuz I don't know how to back out of that one. Okay, so I'm going to do a little synopsis and then we're just going to dive into a couple of the different history milestones. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great word. History milestones of good humor because they had a really interesting past, but a lot of it was about like stock training and who owned it and when. I kind of picked the highlights for us to go through to kind of give you context. Perfect. And then I have some folklore about good humor to share as well, as well as their products and all of that jazz. So we're just going to start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So Good Humor was started in the 1920s. It was started by Burt. I'm sorry, by Harry Burt. He created a chocolate coating that was compatible with ice cream. He compatible. shared it. Compatible. Well, you know, like that's, it crusted over. That's just funny, yeah. I don't know if crusted over is the right <laughs> word either. That doesn't sound appetizing at all. So Harry Burt created this chocolate coating. He shared it with his daughter for the first try. Her verdict was that it tasted good, but was too messy to eat. So Bert's son suggested freezing the sticks they used for their Jolly Boy suckers, which was Bert's earlier invention, into ice cream to make the handle and make it easier to eat. After that, Good Humor actually got a patent for this. So I'm going to share a little bit about how Good Humor got its name, and then I'll break down the history of it a little bit more in detail. So the good humor name came from the belief that a person's humor or temperament was related to the humor of their palate or their sense of taste. So they believe in great tasting quality products and therefore a good humor. Never, ever would have guessed that. No, I'm going to guess that's probably something that came from when they actually named it in like the 1920s or 30s, but that's where they got it from. Okay. So as I stated, it was started in Youngstown, Ohio in the early 1920s. It was a chocolate-coated ice cream bar on a stick, and it was sold from ice cream trucks, which is really where Good Humor got their recognition was from their trucks. Okay. They became really popular in the 1950s, and they operated 2,000 sales cars, quotes, around this time. Wow. So a lot. It's a lot. In 1919, Kristen Nelson, so this is a different person, in Iowa, discovered how to coat ice cream with chocolate, inventing the Eskimo pie, 
When Harry Burt heard of this, he tried to replicate it in his own ice cream parlor. This is when he had his 23-year-old daughter Ruth test it out, and she determined it was too messy. But Burt's son, Harry Jr., suggested on using the wooden stick as a convenient handle. They tested this out in the ice cream shop's hardening room, and they discovered that the stick would hold a strong bond when the ice cream crystallized. So they outfitted 12 street vending trucks in Youngstown with this rudimentary freezers and bells to sell these good humor ice cream suckers in the 1920s. Oh, why does that sound so wrong? I don't know. Honestly, I'm glad that that didn't stick. I think just ice cream bars was the way to go. Yeah. So the first set was sold from his son's old bobsled. And then in 1925, Harry Burt Jr. opened a franchise in Miami, Florida. In 1922, Burt applied for a patent, which was not granted until October of 1923, because the patent office thought that good humors were too close to Eskimo pies. I was going to say that exact same thing. Yes. Well, the patent office thought that, so you're on the right page. Okay. You know? The patents were granted only when Burt traveled to Washington, D.C. with samples to demonstrate the difference. So the patent is actually granted for the ice cream being on a stick, but not it being coated in chocolate. Okay. That would make more sense to me. He owns the patent on frozen novelties on a stick. Frozen novelties. Cute. Frozen novelties on a stick. But this is important because what are other frozen novelties on a stick? I was just going to say, what about popsicles? Allison, what a great question. Thank you for asking. So during this period, Frank Epperson started making frozen ice on a stick and formed the Popsicle Corporation. Six months after Popsicle received its patent in August of 1924, Good Humor sued Popsicle Corporation. They settled outside of court and Popsicle agreed to pay Good Humor a license fee to manufacture what was called frozen suckers. Again, unfortunate. Yes. From ice and sherbet products. Good humor reserved the right to manufacture these products from ice cream, frozen custard, and the like. So they each can use a stick, but they have a division in the products they can put on their stick. Correct. Okay. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. We probably could have tried to say it better, but it'll work for now. So, unfortunately, Harry passed away in 1926. Two years later, his widow sold her interest to Midland Food Products Company, owned by a group of Cleveland businessmen. They changed the name to Good Humor. So this is when the name actually came about, so in 1926. Okay. They started franchising this system with a $100 down payment. Cora Burt retained the license agreement with Popsicle, so the daughter. Or I'm sorry, the wife retained the um, Popsicle agreement. So then Thomas Brimmer purchased the Good Humor franchise for the Detroit Territory, and by 1929 opened his second plant in Chicago. So this is when we start getting, like, that's why I said at the beginning there was a lot of, like, changing of hands, people getting involved. But I thought this fact was really interesting. So after Thomas Brimmer bought the Detroit franchise, he opened his next one in Chicago, and the mob in Chicago at the time demanded $5,000 protection money, but Brimmer refused, and they burned half his fleet. What? Advance. Yep. So this actually helped, though, Good Humor, because the actual burning of half of the fleet was good publicity to get the name out there. So he actually rebounded pretty well from that. No press is bad press? No, press no is, that doesn't really apply here. All press is good press. All all news is good. I don't know. Some version of that. 
Yeah, I'm thinking more of like when people have a scandal and then it like boosts their popularity. I guess this guy didn't do anything wrong. He was attacked. He was attacked. But it still helped. And yeah. you know what? If you're going to be attacked, we could take the win, yeah. you know, after. So I have two of these for you this time, Allie. What would $5,000 in oh, 1926, right. I'm sorry, 1929 be today? Let's just go round numbers. 500000 No, 70000 Okay, it went way too big. I way should have said big. like 50. Yeah. Okay. But honestly, very impressive. Okay, so now we're in the 1930s. So between the 1930s and 60s, I kind of smushed everything together. So bear with me. Okay. I'm a lackadaisical expert at best this week, but it's still very interesting. Good humor became successful and actually thrived. I use that loosely during the Depression because they were able to access large groups of people through trucks push carts, bicycles, and shoulder boxes. So because they were distributing through those areas and they were inexpensive to some extent, they were an accessible treat during this era. For the most part, people were able to stay employed through good humor for up to six months. So that was very desirable at the times. And since jobs were scarce, good humor found employees and they would work up to 80 hours a week with near military discipline at the time. Wow. Women were not allowed to be hired as vendors until 1967, which, like, what a disappointing thing for you. I bet they were delightful. Rude. And a vendor could be fired for not smartly saluting a customer or saying good humor ice cream instead of the proper ice cream good humor, which was the company's greeting, because the company regarded themselves as a noun with ice cream being the descriptor. So if you didn't do those things when greeting a customer, you could get fired. Wait. You have to say ice cream, good humor? Correct. That sounds backwards. Doesn't it sound bad? Yeah. Yeah. That was their preferred thing. Okay. And their business. So these vendors attended very rigorous classes for two days at the beginning of this season. And the rules were all spelled out in a handbook titled Making Good at Good Humor. While okay. vendors, That's clever. That's clever, right? Yeah. While vendors were paid commissions only, it was not unusual for a driver to clear the princely sum of over a hundred per week. So Allie, how much was a hundred per week in nineteen thirties-ish time frame in today's money? A thousand a week. Sixteen hundred forty-nine. Wow. Much closer. So you're actually kind of crushing it if you're a good humor guy at this point in time. Yeah, you can make some bank here. You can make some bank here. I will tell you that when I did the translation, I think I did it in 1940. So I could be slightly off for anyone who's doing like actual mathematical checks here. Also, if you are, you have a lot of time on your hands. Right. But you can submit them as comments. We'll happily take the feedback. Yeah, and corrections. Right? Corrections always. So to promote the product, customers could win a free good humor if they found the lucky stick, which was stamped on the stick of the ice cream. So it would literally say lucky stick on the ice cream stick. And if they found it, it was a free good humor bar. And one in 12 were winners. Oh, However, that's actually pretty good odds. Pretty good odds, right? Yeah. But in 1939, so in this time frame, the Federal Trade Commission outlawed the promotion as it as an illegal lottery. Oh. So they really didn't want you to get your free ice cream. Rude. Right? Seems kind of aggressive. But the company was more successful in attracting favorable publicity by parking their trucks outside of motion picture studios to bounce back from that. Over the years, Good Humor appeared in over 200 movies, which is fascinating because I would have never guessed that. 
1950, there was actually a movie called The Good Humor Man. Wow. Okay. Would you like a synopsis? Obviously, yes. Okay. I'm going to do this in my best movie voice to try and keep everyone super engaged. All right. Biff Jones is the good humor man. Not only does he love his job, but he loves his girlfriend Margie just as much. But when Biff gets involved with Bonnie, a mysterious woman on the run from a gang of hoodlums, his life takes a dramatic turn for the worse. Things fall apart with Margie, Bonnie ends up missing, and Biff is wrongfully accused of murder and robbery when his good humor truck is spotted at the scene of a crime. Oh my goodness. The I drama. love it. Right? I've I never seen it. it. I've literally never heard of it. Biff Jones was played by Jack Carson. Margie was played by Lola Albright. And Bonnie was played by Gene Wallace. Oh, my goodness. So you've really made... It's everything you want in a movie. Everything you want. Treats, I hope. suspense, murder, <laughs> false accusations. I appreciate that you started with treats. <laughs> treats. <laughs> Do you think they had the good humor trucks parked outside of the good... Like, when it was playing in movie theaters? I mean, they would be... Very amiss not to. Uh, such an opportunity. So if anyone has seen it, first of all, can we agree, was Biff like a big name? I don't this know, time? but in the it's 1950s? Not, to me, it's not an appealing name. No, but when was Back to the Future's made in the 80s? I've never seen it, so I don't. You've never seen Back to the <laughs> Are you shocked that I haven't seen a movie? I kind of am. Back to the Future is pop culture for all ages i've not seen it okay well anyway the criminal the criminal the bad guy in back to the future's name is biff also okay which is maybe why like biff became kind of like you know you miss it like biff yeah i don't know for anyone named biff i'm super sorry i'm just saying i'm i'm so rattled by the fact (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i didn't mean to do i realize this has nothing to do with good humor but i just can't bounce back from that okay regrouping After World War II, the company moved into expanding into the suburbs to serve the baby boomers. 50% of Good Humor's customers were age 12 or younger, and trucks now accounted for 90% of the company's sales. By 1956, the company's fleet was at 2,000, which is where we started earlier, and all of them had been purchased since the war. Wow. Yeah. So in 1960, Good Humor expanded, and it included 85 different treats. Sundays in chocolate, butterscotch, strawberry, single-serve cups, apricot and honeydew, and more, including their ice cream bars. Honeydew? Honeydew. We're going to talk about some of their more unsuccessful flavors also. Okay. So. Start the list right there. In 1961, this is when things start to pivot, it was sold to Thomas Lipton, a subsidiary of Unilever. Like Lipton Tea? I genuinely don't know. Oh, well, to Unilever. Unilever's Allison. Unilever's like a huge corporation that owns a lot of things. I will work through this. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, I don't know corporations that own products. Unilever owns like all the products. It's fine. It's fine. Moving on. I know Johnson & Johnson. Yes, it's like that. Okay. Unilever and Johnson & Johnson would be comparable organizations. Okay. We'll take that. I'll take the win. Okay. So Lipton buys it. But they soon characterized it as a problem because much of the fleet that had been purchased after the war was nearing the end of its useful life. Baby boomers had matured and many suburban routes had declined. While almost from the beginning, good humor faced competition, others like Jack and Jill ice cream and bungalow bar 
It was also starting to see a lot more competition from soft ice cream serves like Mr. Softy. That competition ended up decreasing sales and insurance costs and gas costs increased, making the trucks a non-viable solution. Good Humor replaced some of its older conventional trucks with large vans designed to compete with Mr. Softy, but ultimately they ended up declining the size of the fleet, and by the early 1970s, the number was down to 1,200. Good Humor also worked with the National Highway Traffic Administration to equip the vending trucks with school bus stop signs, swing arms, to reduce pedestrian accidents because they were also responsible for those, which was very costly to the organization. Although they tried, Good Humor was unable to solve the labor problems, the cost of maintenance problems, and ultimately sold off most of their fleet for $100 to $300 each. Oh, wow. Yeah. They also ran into a lot of employment issues. They really could only keep Good Humor employees on for two to three weeks at a time, a lot of those being college kids, because after the war, where they were getting a lot of people who were willing to work quite a bit, they just weren't able to keep people staffed. So after absorbing it, they sold off the fleet. I also misspoke. It wasn't 100 to 300. It was 1,000 to 3,000, which is a lot better. A lot better, yeah. And the former Good Humor vendors became independent businesses. So anyone who wanted to keep their route or keep their business from the truck dispersal became independent. Okay. So with the truck sold, Good Humor focused on the grocery division. The company returned to profitability in 1984. So after moving into... Grocery stores, they were able to rebound, and Unilever became the world's largest marketer of ice cream products. They ended up also buying Popsicle, which we know about. They also bought Klondike and Breyers. So they are currently one of the biggest ice cream brands out there. Okay. What yeah. about Blue Bunny? They don't own that from what I can see here. Oh, well, I love Blue Bunny, too. Blue Bunny is great. So that brings us to June of 2020, which is where this story started for me. Good Humor collaborated with music producer RZA to create a new jingle for the ice cream trucks to play. So it was suggested, although not mandated, that all trucks switch to this new beat. And the resulting composition was released in August of 2020, and you can find it on YouTube. Oh, we'll have to go listen. So if you want to go listen to what the new ice cream truck jingle could be, I encourage you to do so. So that's the history of Good Humor. Any comments or questions? Um, No, I think I've made all my comments so far. Not at this time. Moving on then. Two products. Good Humor, as I noted, has dozens, 85 at its peak, but I couldn't find a direct number now. So at some point, 85, potentially more in today's world. Their most popular bars were the chocolate-coated vanilla ice cream bar, which was their original, the creamsicle, and the strawberry shortcake. Mm. That's my number one right there. Strawberry shortcake's my number one also. Mm -hmm. Other good humor flavors included chocolate, chocolate chocolate-coated chocolate. (laughs) Chocolate Chocolate-coated chocolate. I said that wrong. Chocolate-coated chocolate. The way I said it sounded yummy too, though. Strawberry plus bars, toasted almond, coconut, chocolate cake, and chocolate eclair. They also did weekly specials that came in a wide assortment of flavors, and one of them included the red, white, and blue good humor bar for the 4th of July. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that's the same as like those rocket popsicles or something that they have now, but I'm assuming similar. Yeah, I probably more just have an ice cream versus a popsicle. Yeah. So they also tried other flavors that were not successful. Some of their least popular flavors that they rolled out were Oregon Prune. Okay. California Fig. 
And they even experimented with tomato. What? Yeah. Well, I had to try something. They had to keep it fresh, you know? I mean, technically a fruit, but ew. <laughs> technically, you're right. So I did look up the top ranking of purchased ice cream bars for the United States. Um, Good Humor ranks on it four times in the top 50. Strawberry Shortcake ranked as the 19th most bought ice cream bar. Whoop, whoop. Oreo Ice Cream Bar ranked as number 37. Chocolate Eclair ranked at number 40. And Novelty Oreo Ice Cream Bar, so I'm going to assume a different size, ranked at number 41. Okay. What was the number one? It was a Weight Watchers one. What? Actually, I think it was a Skinny Cow. Skinny Cow was number one. Weight Watchers was number two. And I want to say there was a Blue Bunny in number three. What? Yeah. Those shouldn't get to count. Well, they were on there. Real ice cream only. That is real ice cream. Kind of. Listen, I looked at it because I knew you were going to ask me that question, so I should get credit for just knowing that. I appreciate you anticipating the question. You're welcome. I'm not pleased with the answer, but I know you didn't make the answer. (laughs) So the last part of my product section was that Good Humor also partnered with the Girl Scouts to do a Thin Mint ice cream bar, which apparently sold really well. Yum. That sounds really good. I would try that. Yeah, I would too. Thin Mints are some of my favorite, especially if you put them in the freezer. So if they had a way to really do that, I'd be in. Right. I'll have to see if I can find them. Okay, I've got four-ish folklore items to round out our episode today. I'm excited that we have some folklore. <sighs> they actually Let's speculate it. wildly. Let's speculate wildly. Some of it I feel like is truth-ish, and some of it seems speculative. So we'll see what how you deem them. So according to the company's history, and I'm sorry, that's false. The company didn't cite that. It just said... There are many stories in history, but it was on their history page, so here you go. One such folklore item was that a good humor vendor rushed a baby to a hospital for treatment in his truck. I would like to believe that that's real. Another is that the company ended up helping break up a counterfeit money operation on Long Island. I would love that to be real. Wouldn't that like be? Like the good humor guy's like, this is not real money. That's not real money. I'm going to follow you home, yeah. and now I'm going to know where your ring is. And I'm going to call the cops. Yeah. So this is a cool one. During World War II, a good humor truck was assigned to follow one of the armies during the maneuvers. The commander could not understand why the opposing artillery was quickly locating his position every time until he realized that the spotters were using the white good humor truck as a guide. So rather than deny his troops ice cream, they painted the good humor truck army green. (laughs) So this guy wants the good humor guy to follow them so his troops can have ice cream. Right. But the opposing side keeps seeing the white truck. So, so they're like, let's camouflage the truck. Yes. Also, how brave is the guy who runs that truck? That He's like, okay. I'm just going to follow you around. I'll follow you guys around. I wonder if he was a member of the military and that was like his assignment. Let's hope so. I think that if we, if that was, I'm not going to pretend that I could be in the military because you are all very brave. But that would be the post. I Although, do the ice cream. <laughs> driving around the ice cream. So after the war, a good humor vendor took pity on a youngster who was a nickel short and accepted a new magazine in place of the missing five cents. When he returned the next day, the street was lined with stacks of magazines piled by children eager to exchange them for good humor bars. How cute is that? I hope that's true because that's so cute. That one was written very factually. Both that one and the World War II one were written factually, but I, I mean, they were in the folklore section. So like, do with that what you will. I'm sorry. I really don't. You don't get to say that. <laughs> sorry. Take that with a grain of salt. Thank you. That is all I have for the good humor 
um, company today, but it was a lot of fun and I am for sure buying some strawberry shortcake bars. So thanks for letting me talk at you. Do with that what you will. <laughs> if you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, or fun facts of your own, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's also our Instagram, Facebook, and website. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 